On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer fueled sports show. There's only so much time we can kill here before we start to spin our wheels. I've had time to run, but I'm still here. your host, Light the candle. Matt Robinson. Watch us while we spin our wheels. Watch us as we spin our wheels. How much time can we kill here? Not a bad day for uh, for such a sentiment in the uh, intro music. Uh, thank you to uh, the voice of the Talking Audio podcast, Amy Burke, for the intro there. And uh, today, thank you to her for uh, the use of her backyard, which is where we're set up right now for today's show. So uh, if it sounds a little different, uh, there's kids running by, there's a generator running in the background. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson, as the good woman said. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. if you want to give us a follow there. Uh, I'm outside. I'm in the backyard. I'm on, like I said, on Amy's patio. There is no power at my house here in uh, western Ottawa. Uh, as I sit here on Wednesday afternoon and record this, uh, we've been down since Saturday. So it's getting old. Uh, we had a hell of a storm rip through. I know it hit a large swath of Ontario and Quebec, but uh, yeah, my area of Ottawa just blown to pieces. Hydro poles completely snapped in half. Um, you know, wires down all over the place, trees down all over the place. It was actually insane. So uh, that's why we've been fairly radio silent on the podcast and uh, not a lot going on. There just hasn't been the opportunity uh, to get much done, to either get in studio or if we did get in there, there's no power in there, um, you know, and uh, and so I haven't been able to do much. But uh, we were able to wire things together today with a battery pack here, uh, and uh, and and get in touch with uh, with our guest Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet, who we'll get to in in just a second. I do want to circle back to those of you who caught the impromptu Saturday episode, which I recorded with my uh, AirPods Max and my iPhone. At that point, they were telling us power would be back later that night. And uh, I was just bored, and I had no reason to try and conserve power uh, because power was going to be back, right? Uh, it wasn't, and it wasn't until Sunday morning when the sun came up and you could see around the neighborhood just how destroyed everything was that you knew, oh, this is going to be a while, right? 
Uh, so yeah, we haven't been able to do much, but I did say on that Saturday show that we would have Arden's Welling. Uh, we said Rob would be back in studio on, uh, on holiday Monday. That obviously did not happen. He was without power. I was with, without, without power. And, uh, at this point, they're not giving us much in terms of when to expect this area to be back up and running. I believe they said there was about 170,000 homes that lost power and uh, gradually they've been getting more and more of them back online. And I think now they said we're down to 59,000 without power. I am one of the lucky ones, I guess, one of those 59,000 who will be amongst the last to get it back. But like I said, only about a block from my place was one of the hardest hit areas where the whole, you know, infrastructure was just completely torn right out of the ground. You knew it was going to be a bit once you saw that. Uh, So that's why it's been a little quiet around our social media. That's why it's been a little quiet uh, here on the podcast. But um, I had been chasing Arden for a little while. He was very busy through the first month of the season, but he uh, he'd always said, I will do it. Keep keep touching base. We will find a day. And uh, before the storm, we had set today to record. And then uh, this happened and I didn't want to lose the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, we've kind of MacGyvered together a battery pack and a couple other things to be able to record a phone call with them here. Uh, I couldn't do it in my house because uh, as the as the wires and everything went down, I guess some of the cell towers did too, so I have barely any cellular signal around my place. And uh, even out on my balcony where the cellular service was a little bit better, there's so much noise because of how close we are uh, to the hardest-hit area. There's traffic rerouted so there's buses and transports running underneath what is normally a pretty residential street um you know generators and chainsaws and all kinds of things running so it's been loud around there as well so uh amy was kind enough to let us set up shop here in her backyard where it's at least a little bit quieter there is a generator going a couple doors down i'm not sure if the microphone's picking that up Uh, apologies if it is uh but uh we're we're MacGyvering this together, right? We'll, we'll do our best, and, and we wanted to make sure we got Arden on for you because uh, he's been uh, doing the show for us for quite a while. Um, you know, great work at sportsnet.ca and on the At The Letters podcast covering the Blue Jays. And, and uh, yeah, I kind of wanted a bit of a distraction here. I didn't want to give up this opportunity. I wanted to talk a little baseball with Arden Zwelling. So uh, we're going to do that right now as we welcome Sportsnet's Arden Zwelling to the Tall Can Audio podcast. Happy to be welcoming back into the show from Sportsnet and the uh, At The Letters podcast. Our buddy Arden Zwelling is back. How are you doing today, man? Hey, Matt. What's going on? How are things? Things are all right. We were talking a little bit there before we fired up the uh, the microphone. We'll we'll let the good listener in on the fact that I'm out in a backyard here. There's generators. There's kids. There's Things are still a little wild here in Ottawa, so if things sound a little off to the good listener, they'll, uh, they'll understand why. But do uh, you lose power at all in your part of Toronto, or were things good down there, or...? No, it's funny. During the storm, I was at Rogers Center because there was a game going on. Um, and when you're in Rogers Center, it's like you're, you know, you're in a casino in yeah, Las yeah. Vegas. Like you have no knowledge or awareness of the outside world. So like I had no, like I knew the storm was coming. Obviously, like my phone went off to tell me the storm was coming. But uh, yeah, I had no, I didn't get to see any of it or witness any of it. And yeah, when I got home later that night, I mean, power's on, everything was fine. Some trees are down, but you know, nothing, nothing like what you're going through. So uh, <laughs> I admire your your perseverance in, in the face of this test. Yeah, well, we didn't, uh, we couldn't miss an opportunity to talk to Arden Swelling. This is it, right? We'll make it happen. So, uh, you know where we like to start around here, man. And unfortunately, I don't have a functioning refrigerator. And since you do, uh, have you tried anything good on the craft beer front here lately? A brewery, a beer, anything come to mind for you? 
Let me um, live vicariously here for a minute. <laughs> uh, I had a couple from Badlands recently oh, that yeah. were delicious. I don't know if you've had them there. A little farm brewery kind of like northwest of Toronto. Oh, nice. Um, delicious IPAs. Like great, great. Like you know, the typical like hazy New England style um, IPA. Super hoppy, but like super smooth too um you know just super soft and uh just really really well balanced and just nicely done like you can tell like a lot of a lot of craft and a lot of dedication went into those um so i i had a couple from there had a third moon recently that i really liked if you know third moon out in milton um actually kind of similar no yeah yeah. they're kind of similar to badlands and like so like you know again big hoppy bold ipas but like just really well constructed um super soft again uh, but like just with, just hits all the notes that you want right. from an IPA. Um, so third moon, really, really good. And I actually just this morning put in an order from Merit, which uh, is in stuff. Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And they just had their fifth anniversary and uh, had like some really interesting beers that they brewed up for that. So like uh, I think they're swinging by on Fridays when they do their Toronto deliveries. Hmm. So really looking forward to trying some of their anniversary beers. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've had coming, coming through the fridge of late. Have you been, uh, I know, you know, having fans back in the, in the dome there, have they made any kind of effort as I know for a while, I think it was last season, they had one counter that was craft beer. Have they made any kind of, have they brought in any more of that around the dome that you've noticed? I know you're in the press box mostly, but. Yeah, I don't, I never have a beer at the Rogers Center. Right. <laughs> it's because I'm working. So yeah, I'm yeah. like, I, I'm never, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't even know where to go. I know that there's, um, I guess Mill Street brewed a beer specifically for the Rogers Center this year. That. Yeah, it's not uh, bad. Yeah, I haven't had it yet, but uh, like, uh, yeah, it's called Blue Wave. Yeah, so, it's just a straight up um, kind of golden lager. Nothing fancy to it, but it's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, you think about what you want on a like a Saturday afternoon at Rogers Center, right? right? Like with the with the roof open and it's sunny, and I, I don't know that you want an Imperial Stout, no, right? You not. probably want <laughs> something uh, something more sessionable. But I think you know if you go something with uh, a bit more flavor and a bit more taste and a bit more kind of care put into it, then maybe some of the macro brands right. would be nice, right? Sure. So uh, something with just a little a little note of like, oh, hmm, right, like that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm sure. People are enjoying those, and yeah, the Blue Jays made some noise you know, before the season about increasing their craft options and bringing more in. But like, to be completely honest with you, I just I have I'm not there as a fan, so right. I don't really get to uh, enjoy them. So I wouldn't even really know what the <laughs> options are like right now. Well, you wrote that great piece there before the season about all the upgrades that have been made to the dome. So I just I thought maybe you'd have heard rumblings or uh, or whatever. There was a piece last year. I think they do it every year in the Athletic actually that uh, ranks all 30 ballparks by their craft beer selections. Uh, which is kind of a cool uh, idea for a piece, but uh, the Jays have typically ranked pretty low so far. So hopefully they they can reach out to some local guys in left field. And you know, it's funny when I did when I did that piece, they did have like some information on the craft beers that they were bringing in, and I just wasn't on my radar at the sure, time because yeah. I was focusing on the scoreboard and the new lights and the upgrades to the turf. Right. So I just kind of skipped that part. Well, like some of us, man, like, inquiring minds, we, we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was there at like eight in the morning talking right. to like scoreboard operators <laughs> and stuff. So like beer just was not front of my mind at that time. I think um, that's fair. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, 
I, I, I forget what the question was there, but it's, That's you know, I, I think that, <laughs> I don't know. I, I need a beer clearly. Uh, but I think that the, uh, yeah, I think they've expanded the options, but yeah, there's, there's room to do more. Sure. I mean, Toronto is such a vivid and, and colorful beer scene and, and so many cool breweries here that, um, you know, I think it would be great to bring more of them into the Rogers Center to find a way to incorporate more of them because there, there is such a great brewing culture here. So as we sit here and record on, uh, on Wednesday afternoon or, yeah, Wednesday afternoon. It is an off day for the Blue Jays, and uh, they had a bit of an offensive explosion on Tuesday night. So some of the questions I'd lined up for you here may be a little dated, but I think there's still a trend that we'll need to see uh, see develop in one way or another. But uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about before kind of getting into some of the specifics about the Jays is offense seems to be down, obviously, quite a bit across baseball. So when you watch the Jays as a fan you're extremely frustrated because it's it's your team every night that's struggling to score. But it does seem to be happening across baseball. Can you put into context sort of where the Jays fit into that as far as baseball percentage being down? Are the Jays still an above-average offensive team, or are they struggling worse than other teams are struggling in this kind of league-wide environment? It's funny, man, because there was a while there where my argument was, yes, like the Blue Jays offense has not lived up to its expectations. And it's been somewhat of a disappointment in the context of what we all thought it would be coming into this year. But if you look at it globally across MLB, it's actually an above average offense because through April um, and into early May, like it, we were seeing, you know, just absolutely like no offense, no, you know, home runs are way down across baseball, like record low batting average, like all of this. And the Blue Jays were still an above average team in that context, even though if you only watched them every night, you would think, man, this club is struggling yeah. offensively. That's all to say that as we sit here today on May the 25th, that argument no longer applies. Okay. <laughs> the Blue Jays are a below average offensive team, even in this depressed run environment. Um, like a, the best metric you can use is weighted runs created plus, which just like normalizes everything and adjusts for era, adjusts for ballpark, and normalizes everything on a scale of 100, with 100 being the league average. And each point above 100 is a percentage point. So if you're like a 105 weighted runs created plus team, you're a 5% better offense than league average. The Blue Jays as a team have a 96 weighted runs created mm. plus. So they are 4% below league average so even in a year in which the ball is not flying um and pitchers are better than ever and, and the offense has been at an extreme premium across baseball the blue jays have still been a below average offense i mean that's how bad their month of may has been yeah it's funny because i think a lot of us i think as we sit here now i believe they're 25 and 20 um and a lot of us sort of thought if you could come through that first kind of 30-game stretch where it was a lot of Houston, a lot of New York, a lot of Boston, um, and kind of be with your head above water, you were going to be fine the rest of the way. But and, and that sort of has happened, but they haven't really taken off after that point, although they have won a couple series again lately. But it's like the road to get here has had more warning signs than I think we've, that I would have expected we would see maybe... Uh, when you look at the team and the record that it has right now and the way that it's performed, you know, are you, should we be happy? Are they lucky to be five games over 500? We're, we're, like, what do you kind of take away from the, what we've seen so far? 
Yeah, they're, so they're 23 and 20. Oh, I'm so sorry. You, you haven't had power for four days, so you're you're in the dark ages. <laughs> so it's, that's completely understandable. Right. You know, you don't even know what month it is anymore. Right. So, uh, like, yeah, so they're 23 and 20, but, like, but they have a negative seven run differential. Mm-hmm. So that suggests that, yeah, the results are belying the process. And the Blue Jays, if anything, are somewhat fortunate to be um, where they are right now record-wise. And you, I think that they're even more fortunate when you consider the quality of opposition that they've been playing to this point and also just how condensed their schedule has been. I mean, May has been easier, but through April and early May, I mean, they've played 30 games in 31 days, which is a real grind to start the season. And it was tough teams that they were playing. New York, Tampa, Houston, Boston, who, like, Boston were struggling at the time, but we're seeing now, like, that is a better club than um, you know, than 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 their record would have indicated at the time. Cleveland, which has had a great offense this year, so uh, it is it has not been an easy road. So I think the Blue Jays can feel good about where they're at, but I don't know. It's kind of like an an are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Right. Because right? like if you're if you're an optimist, you're saying, well, look, like yeah, the Blue Jays have struggled and their offense hasn't shown up for the season yet, and they've you know allowed more runs than they've scored. But they're three games above 500 and actually in playoff position right now. And, and Fangraphs playoff odds suggest that they had, like you know a very strong chance of reaching the postseason. This is great. Um, but if you're a pessimist, you're saying yeah, but they're not scoring runs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're allowing more runs than they're scoring. And like yeah, the process isn't great. And eventually that process will come back around. And eventually like you know, bad luck will come back around, and they won't be um, 11 and seven in one run games. And and those things will come back to earth. So. Um, it's the, the Blue Jays still need to improve the process going forward. Like their offense still needs to be much better. If they continue with an offense that is four points below league average, it's yeah, it's probably going to prove hard for them to to sneak into the postseason. Well, is it unreasonable to assume that Danny Jansen's just going to carry the load offensively now? Like he's, <laughs> he seems to be doing all right, but uh, he I, I think... seems to hit five home runs every eleven games or something like that. Is, did I so just he, read he this just mo- keeps doing that forever? That that would be great. Did I read this morning that he's now the tied for the fastest catcher ever, or fastest Blue Jay ever? It was something to to five home runs within eleven games. I think. Uh, <laughs> little history there but uh, yeah he's on a heater right now and it actually extends to the end of 2021 when i think he had six in the final 21 games mm-hmm. of 2021 something along those lines um he's really found something with like this pull heavy approach uh and with kind of freeing himself up at the plate no longer trying to be this like all fields go the other way hitter that he was never going to be i uh, kind of let all that go and just kind of embraced what he's best at offensively and like i think that as a catcher you know you can be a pull heavy dude who um and look he's not going to hit home runs at this rate clearly but like if he hits 20 a year 20 plus a year and all of them to the pull side with like a 220 batting average or something like that like he can hang around in the big leagues for a very long time if he is minding his p's and q's defensively and if he is strong behind the plate like that's the nature of that position like you can be mike zanino (laughs) <laughs> and like hang around in the big leagues for for quite a while and like maybe even be an all-star right like that's a guy who like zanino like wishes he hit 220 you know sure, like yeah. he's uh, right he, he hits below that but he he's a guy who will regularly like 
you know, 2025 20, homers and is good behind the plate and is solid clubhouse guy type of dude you want on your team and a good leader and handles the pitching staff and does all those little things that go into being a catcher that we don't necessarily see on a baseball reference page or a fan graphs page. So I, I think the day Jansen is kind of coming into that right now. And I think his offensive ceiling is higher than a Zunino, but that is just like a, an example of like how low the offensive standard is. <laughs> for a catcher at MLB like you really don't have to do that much to be very playable at the big league level for a very long time so if Jansen can kind of be this guy this 220 230 hitter and like if he can get on base 315 320 something like that and you know hit 20 plus homers a year he's gonna have a, a great long career in the big leagues uh, I believe I saw he's now uh, just one home run behind Bichette. So uh, he got off to a slow start too, but I think he's been uh, 289 in May, so he's coming around. What are you seeing out of Vlad, uh, who on Tuesday hit one of those old-fashioned Vlad home runs as opposed to the ones that are just kind of <laughs> dying at the track or just kind of barely clearing the wall? He crushed one. Um, he had that big, long hitting streak, but it wasn't particularly Vlad-like in, in the way he was getting those hits. Um is there something you see on on what he's doing that's that's causing him problems and how worried are you i'm seeing a lot of different things and i don't know what they all mean when you put them all together because like i've seen um an approach that has at times been way too aggressive and like at times he has expanded and chased off the plate way too much and then i've also seen him just decide for three four five six games at a time to not chase and show an incredible eye at the plate and all of a sudden just be super selective and swing only at good pitches to hit. Like I've kind of seen him fluctuate between those two poles. Um, I don't know, maybe depending on how frustrated he is or maybe depending on like what he had for lunch that day. Like it's kind (laughs) of, it's, you know, he is such a good eye at the plate. He has, you know, think about, in April, all those calls that weren't going his way and how often umpires were jobbing him on pitches off the plate. Like Vlad knew that those are balls Mm -hmm. and he was right. They were balls. Yeah. Um, like he, he has exceptional plate vision. So I see him kind of oscillate between those two things. I've seen him miss his pitch a lot where he gets one of those like hanging breaking balls or a fastball on the inner half and he fouls it straight back or he hits a ball that dies at the warning track or, you know, he hits a 115 mile an hour ground ball. And like the pitches that he was just decimating over fences last year something about his timing and something about his ability to get his barrel to the ball and launch it just has not been right. And he's been missing that pitch a lot. I've seen a lot of ground ball contact. Mm -hmm. Like he's still not striking out a ton. He is just hitting a lot of balls into the ground. Um, And I am also seeing a tendency and you can basically draw like a horizontal line through the middle of the strike zone and nearly all of his extra base hits, or and even just all of his hits in general, have kind of come on pitches that have been from that line and above. And then anything down in the zone, the middle of the zone down, you were just seeing Vlad like beat them into the ground for ground ball outs. Um, and last season, that was not the case. He was able to go down and launch those pitches and, and hit them at very high rates of speed towards outfield walls. So I, I, I'm seeing all those things, and I don't know what it means. <laughs> because <laughs> if, if I did, I might work for an LD club as a hitting coach, right? Sure. So like, I, I don't know what needs to happen there 
to get him right. Obviously, you have the best proof of concept that you could ever hope to have, which is his 2021 when he was, you know, he would have been the MVP if not for the existence of like a mythical unicorn like <laughs> Shohei Otani. So, I, you know, he can get back to that. Um, and I do think also a lot of it has to come with just how he's being approached. Like he is being pitched a lot more carefully this season. Like he is getting a lot of pitches on the outer half, a lot of those like down and away sliders, like very consistent diet of off speed, secondary stuff. Like it's a career low fastball rate for him right now. And if you are throwing him a fastball, it's probably going to be off the plate away um so i like i i just think that there's probably there's some sort of adjustment that needs to be made there either with approach or mentality or even mechanically something that he's doing at the plate that just to unlock what is kind of holding him back right now but you know the other thing we're seeing is that the talent is still very obviously there because there are times where you see he like he, he misses that pitch like i said and he gets and he takes a pitch that maybe he shouldn't have and now he's oh two and he's frustrated and he gets a tough slider like down and away it's just like fine i'll just poke this into right field for a single you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. just does yeah because he's that good yeah. so clearly the talent is still there but yeah the, the upside has been hard to get to for him right now and it's it's kind of a confounding thing when you think about all these factors that are going into a season one of the things that uh, I think some people, especially early in a baseball season, tend to forget after a you know a winter of, of football and, and hockey and basketball is just how long a baseball season is, and you have to be cognizant mm-hmm. of the ups and downs and the uh, the sample size thing. But are you worried yet about Vlad? Like, as you've pointed out, he has it in him to obviously dominate the league and, and be an MVP caliber player. And I think there was a very good chance he could have come out and had an MVP type season this year that would have been not quite as good as last year. Like last year he was just fantastic, but this is a, a big step down. How long before you kind of go, wow, like this might be a, I don't know, a lost season or he's, there's something going on. Yeah. I, I, I don't worry about, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just because he's so talented, just because it's obviously like there, like he is so preternatural and just innate in his ability to barrel baseballs. And a lot of the underlying stuff is still like right where you'd want it to be. Like his exit velocities are still second to none. Like he still hits the ball as hard as anybody in this sport. So he's barreling the ball. And, you know, the swing decisions at times have been suspect like i said like at times he has expanded the zone but i think he's known he's expanding the zone like i think that's been out of frustration and like yeah. i said there have been these phases where he'll kind of say like yeah i he'll like come out and say this i just decided to stop swinging the balls and then he just does <laughs> that's yeah. just how good his vision is so we know that the ability to judge balls and strikes is still really strong and we know he can still strike the ball really hard so like i will always bet on exit velocity and swing decisions as really good process indicators that that produce good results um I, like i said i think there's just like there is some sort of a tweak that needs to be made to help him keep the ball off the ground more often mm-hmm. and just get the ball in the air more than he is right now and also to get his barrel to his pitch like when he gets mistakes to punish them like he was in 2021 because very often i am seeing that like that hanging breaking ball like that mistake pitch that fastball up that last year he would have shot 480 <laughs> feet over the wall he is like fouling straight back where he is missing and you're seeing him wear that frustration a little bit too right yeah 
So that that gets down, you know, to the that gets to the thing that we can never know without being in his head. It's just how much of it is is frustration and how much of it is mental. How much of it is being like twenty three years old, right? Yes. <laughs> and still, we always forget how young he is, right? Think about it this way, like uh, so. Adley Rutschman gets called up by the Baltimore Orioles, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, first round number one overall pick, top prospect in baseball. He comes up, hits that triple in uh, you know his first game in Baltimore, and the announcers are like, "Way to go, kid! Like, what a special moment for this young man! So great to see this super young player doing <laughs> this in the big leagues." Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a year younger than him, right? right? And Adley Rutschman's playing his first game in the big leagues. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has MVP votes, you know? Like, <laughs> he's, he's been around for a while, so we kind of forget. But he is still so young in this sport, and he still has so much growth and development to do. So I, I think that, the, you know, the, I, you can't speculate on how much of it is between the years. But I, what I do know is that a lot of hitting is mental. <laughs> and yeah. depending on who you ask... Um, like people who've actually stood in that buyer's box and like you and I, like they'll tell you it's anywhere from like 60 to 99% mental. Um, and so that has to be a component of it as well. It's just him pressing a little bit and him trying to do a little too much. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, Matt Chapman, who at the plate has maybe struggled a little bit as well, but like defensively, the guy has been everything he's been advertised to be. And then some, it's been like, He's fun to watch defend, right? Which is unusual for for a lot of uh, a lot of guys. But I don't know what a, I I maybe expected a little more pop out of the bat. I didn't expect the high average, and so maybe this he's a victim of the you know the whatever we're talking about the humidor baseball or or whatever. Yeah. But what are you seeing out of him offensively, and does it matter? Is he is what he's bringing defensively good enough that you just trust the rest of the offense to get going and then you don't have to depend on him all that much well yeah, i mean de- defensively he's such a joy to watch yeah. you're right i mean it's uh, it is a clinic and so the, the blue jays just played in uh you know against the cards in st louis there for those two games and like matt chapman and nolan arenado right. i don't know that there are two better third basemen on the planet than those two guys like it is just a clinic between those two um so defensively yeah you have zero question though no. matt chapman yeah, offensively, like it's funny, man. It's kind of it's a little bit similar to Vlad in that, like, I want to believe in Matt Chapman's process because you look at like his hard hit rate and his exit velos, like those are honestly like top of baseball, top five, ten percent of of hitters across baseball in terms of like how consistently hard the contact is for Matt Chapman. This and season is also his career. This season. Oh wow! This See season. that that surprises me a lot. His hard hit rate this season is a 98th percentile wow. rate. Okay. Like, his, yeah, his average exit velocity is 95th percentile. Like, right. he, like, absolutely barrels the ball regularly. And think about how many times you've seen him, like, hit a really hard fly ball out. You know, like, there's been a lot of match up and yep. fly balls that have died at warning tracks. Um, I think he's been hurt by the dead ball, absolutely. He's also a guy that doesn't chase much at all. It's a 90th percentile chase rate. So, like... He makes good swing decisions. He's very patient at the plate. He's still drawing his walks. Sees a lot of pitches per plate appearance. Gets himself into a ton of favorable counts, 3-0, 3-1. And it's kind of similar to Vlad, where when he's gone, his pitch, he's just missed it. Or it's died at a warning track. Um, and and I, I don't have the answers to that, but I, I do want to bet on guys who make good swing decisions, who don't swing at crap outside the zone, mm-hmm. who do 
get themselves into favorable counts and get good pitches to hit and then put those balls in play at high rates of speed, I bet on that process when it comes to baseball. So like I I will bet on that with with Matt Chapman. Like I think the you know the big question and I don't know, maybe we're getting our answer to it a little bit, is whether or not he can be 2018, 2019 Matt Chapman again, which was like MVP level yes. Matt Chapman. That, I don't know that that guy's coming back, that guy's still in there. I mean, that was pre-major hip surgery. Yeah. Um, and so we are now post that, and, and Chapman's been very honest that that compromised him in 2021. I don't know if it's still affecting him now and maybe he's not able to, you know, do the things that mechanically he needs to at the plate now that he was able to before. I have no idea. But um, you know, I don't know if we're gonna see that like that level of hitter again. I don't think, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, I don't think you, you need to see that level of hitter again, right? Like if he's not gonna be a you know, 860, OPS guy. I think he can be a 780, 800 OPS mm-hmm. guy. And you're okay with that if you're the Blue Jays. But you know, to this point, the results haven't been even close to that. So I'm, you know, I'm going to continue betting on the process with guys like him and Vlad. Um, but it's like absolutely something that we all have our eye on. Yeah. Right. And like guys like Chapman, guys like Guriel, like, to me, those have been some of the bigger surprises this year offensively. And some of the guys who could have carried this offense through times when Bichette and Guerrero haven't quite been themselves um, and, and they haven't been able to to this point. It's funny when you think about a hip surgery like that, I, I obviously as, as not a doctor, as not a physiotherapist, I would have suspected defending and making those plays and being out on the turf every day would have been the bigger issue where you might have seen the decrease but it's got to be the speed at the plate right the ability to turn and and generate all that power from the lower body as quickly as you need to that that maybe I didn't give enough respect to or consideration to because yeah defensively he's not been hurt at all by it it doesn't seem like with him I think about timing right because I look at the exit velocities and like he's not having trouble you know generating a transferring power like he's putting a ton of a ton of speed behind the ball when he puts it in play like as hard as anybody in baseball mm-hmm. so i like i i to me it's timing and like here's to tell you that hitting is timing especially these days where like every night you're facing some kid who throws 98 right. um you know this if you're the blue jays like three of the last four nights they face guys throwing 100 it's crazy <laughs> so like you're a lot of that is just being on time with a pitch like that art right and getting your swings started early and and just having your barrel kind of collide with the pitch at, at the right time mm-hmm. so to me i would think that maybe maybe to, maybe it's a timing thing with with him and vlad i don't know yeah. you know like i i if i had these answers man i'd be a, sure. I'd be a hitting coach you know have you been uh surprised by what we've seen out of kevin gosman who looks almost every bit as good as as last season and uh you know doing it basically the way we all thought he would do it with largely the the, the two pitch mix not completely dissimilar the pitches are dissimilar but uh, the style maybe or the fact that you're doing it on just a couple of options not uh, not really dissimilar to the guy he replaced in in Robbie Ray um, but I did wonder coming into the AL East I assumed he'd be fine and, and whatever I'm not sure I expected to be quite this good no I don't think anybody expected quite this good right like I you know Kevin Gosman hasn't just replaced the 2021 Cy Young winner like he's been an upgrade on him which is not easy to do. No, it's be not. better than the best pitcher in the league last year. <laughs> uh, it's you know, and, and but that's that's how filthy 
Gosman's stuff has been. And I mean, I think the biggest thing for him has just been like the attack mindset. Like he's gone right after these, these hitters. Um, like there's no messing around. He is in so many O2 counts. Uh, you know, he, like he's regressing a little bit in terms of the walks right now. Like I don't think he's going to go the entire year without walking anybody. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, that was wild. It, it was bound to, to happen at some point, but like that speaks to just, man, just how aggressive he has been and how much he's trusted his stuff. Right. Yeah. And how much he's thought, yeah, you can't hit it. Like, you don't, you know, what's coming. Like you said, fastball splitter, yep. you know, what's coming. And you can't hit it. It is that good. And I repeat my delivery that well. And I disguise these pitches that well. And my heater, oh, by the way, is like 95, 96 some nights <laughs> and very hard to catch up with when I am tunneling it off of a splitter that is like 10 miles per hour slower and drops a ton. So, uh, and oh, by the way, I sometimes flip up a slider as well. <laughs> you have to think about if you're a righty, especially like you, you might get this slider that like Gosman has actually thrown a bit more often this year. Like when he's got all three of those pitches going, I mean, he's got a fastball that's up, a splitter that's down, and a slider that goes sideways. Good luck. Like they all look the same out of his hand and move differently at different rates of speed. Like as a hitter, it's just such an uncomfortable night in the box. So. <laughs> Blue Jay is absolutely over the moon with the returns so far on, on Kevin Gosman, especially in, we, we don't have to look at it this way, but you can look at what Robbie Ray's done in Seattle where his stuff, like if Kevin Gosman, all the arrows in his stuff have pointed up, the arrows in Robbie Ray's stuff have pointed down yeah. in terms of velocity, in terms of movement, in terms of strikeouts and, and walks, troubling indicators for, you know, in, in the early returns for, for Robbie Ray in Seattle thus far. Do you think, uh, before we get out of here, I, I want to ask you, which is, maybe are you more surprised, or what's the bigger aberration, which is least likely to continue, the start that the Red Sox had or the start that the Yankees had? Ah, good question. <laughs> I don't know, because I think they'll both, like, I think the gravity will pull the Yankees down a little bit, mm-hmm. although I do think they're good. their pitching's really good. Nestor Cortez has been, like, such a revelation for yeah. them. So you look at, like, Cole Cortez and um, Luis Severino is like a hell of a top yeah, three. Not bad, right? Think about a playoff series between the Yankees and the Blue Jays, right? Like Cole, Nestor Cortez, and Severino versus like Gosman, Manoa, Barrios. What a cool first three games. Yeah, I'm down to get a look at that. Would yeah. Wouldn't that be wicked, right? And then these two lineups going against each other. If the Blue Jays lineup ever comes around, right now the Yankees' offense clearly the superior one. Right. Um, you have to have some belief in, in the Blue Jays fulfilling their potential there, but it could be a really cool playoff series. So yeah. I do, you know, I, I do think it'll be hard for the Yankees to play as well as they have. Although their bullpen's really solid. Um, and then, yeah, they read, the Red Sox were always better than they were showing. Like, Trevor Story wasn't going to be just abominable, right? No. He's probably not going to be as hot as he's been this to this point. Um, but the Red Sox have done great work and pulled themselves out of that early season hole because it looked like a really deep one. And they've, like, reinserted themselves into the conversation right now. So I think, honestly, like, it, every year we look at the AL East and – we underrate the the Rays and, you know, we, we kind of think that, you know, somebody's going to run away with it. And every year it just kind of comes down to a really tight four-team race, doesn't it? Like yeah. every year it is just uber competitive. So I don't know why we should expect anything different to happen this year. I think it's going to be competitive right down to the wire. Yeah, it's uh, – although I will admit I'm over the Rays thing. I'm done – assuming that they're going to run out of guys that no one else has ever heard of or whatever. I just assume now they will be in the mix every year. It's it's kind of nuts, but 
Yeah, how do you not? Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, how do you not? Uh, Arden, I really appreciate you making some time and, uh, and you know, ignoring, uh, I don't know, like I said, how much my microphone here for the good listener is picking up the, uh, the generator in the background and the kids that have been by or whatever. We're, uh, we're doing this under strange circumstances, but I appreciate you making some time, man. Sounded great on my end, my guy. And I think the fact that you just got this podcast off at all, uh, <laughs> speaks to your determination and your resiliency. So I'm a gamer. Kudos, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It was awesome. That's uh, Arden Zwelling from uh, the At The Letters podcast, sportsnet.ca, and, uh, and frequently on the Blue Jays broadcast as well. All right, there he goes, Arden Zwelling. Uh, really appreciate him making the time for you. Uh, not sure when exactly we'll be back. That will all depend on, uh, on what we get for power when they get us back up and running. And uh, right now I have precious little information on that. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, don't want to say exactly what will be next or, uh, or when it will be, but, uh, I'm also confident that I can say, uh, AJ Jackubeck will return to the show, uh, just before the CFL season starts, uh, assuming it does start, uh, they're still arguing over Canadian ratios and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, we're confident they're going to get playing, but, uh, we're not sure exactly when, but, uh, AJ will return at that point as well. We'll try and get Rob back in here <laughs> at some point. Uh, he was away for a bit and then, uh, you know, now this is going on, so it's been a while, but uh, we'll get that back up and going and, and try and talk some hockey as well. So lots of good stuff to come. Uh, until then, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram to keep track of, uh, of what's happening, and, and uh, we'll give you some updates there whenever we can, uh, as well as just to uh, let us know what you think of these episodes. But for now, we'll, uh, we'll sign off here. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening to the Talk and Audio Podcast, and we will see you all next time. There's only so much time we can kill here. Spin our wheels I've had time to run But I'm still here You can't imagine How that feels Watch us while we spin our wheels Thanks for listening Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio.